Right, here we go then. Seven topics. I'm sure Frankie has appeared on here for a number of reasons over the years, Maddie, but you wanted to tip your hat to his, his win on Mother Earth, which took place after this show last week. Yeah, that was superb. And obviously we had the Chester Cup as well with Falcon 8, yeah. but Mother Earth was, was fantastic. You know, he knew exactly where he was. And even with, with Falcon 8, I mean, you don't often see, I think I was looking back last night, Chester Cup winners to carry that much weight. I don't think it's happened in an awful long time. Didn't panic when the horse broke a little bit slowly, got a great position and uh, produced him perfectly. And maybe it'll even be the uh, Melbourne Cup on his radar next. But this is Mother Earth, as you see. Um, and again, um, fantastic ride. It was a fantastic ride, a putative second string for, for Bally Doyle. I, I was talking to John Velasquez earlier in the week about his sort of latter-day association with Bob Baffert and those two Kentucky Derby winners and Frankie developing this sort of secondary relationship with, with Bally Doyle. And, and Velasquez was saying, well, if you're good and if you know you're good and if you're positive and if you keep moving forward, these opportunities will just keep coming along. Yeah, um, and brilliant that we get to see him riding for Bally Doyle now. You know, I think he rides a lot for them and, and we'll see it in the future. But I think, Frankie, what makes him so good is just his tactical awareness um, and of pace particularly. Um, he just knows when to deliver horses and also tricky horses as well because Falcon 8 is not necessarily the most straightforward horse, mm. um, but he knows how to get the best out of them. 20 British Classics now for Dottori. He's just got 10 more to get to... To get to Leicester Piggott, how, how many more years is he going to ride? I'd, five at least, I'd say. You wouldn't put it past him, would you? You couldn't put anything past him. He's got to tick off two, two a year. I mean, that's, Gaza, that is going some. <laughs> hey, I don't, I don't doubt Frankie, but uh, it would be fantastic if he could do it, wouldn't it? But um, it's just great to see him in such good form and still riding at the top of his game. Yeah, I tell you what, he might, he might even be riding beyond John Gosden still being on the trainer's licence. Yes, especially uh, with Sadie now the joint licence holder and uh, going to take over very soon, you think? Excellent piece by your friend and colleague Lee Modestel in the Racing Post this week with the Gostons, I thought. Um, Tom Bellamy has picked up the job as stable jockey to Emma Lavelle. Now, there aren't actually many stable jockey jobs in, in jump racing now, not old school ones like, like this. Do you think this is a smart move on, on Emma's part? I think so. I think for owners as well, it's good to get that consistency and really build up that rapport um, and build a relationship with a jockey. You know, you get that feedback from riders um, all the time. Um, and for it to be the same rider giving that feedback mm. is, is clearly going to be a benefit to her. Um, and why not? You know, big success with, with Man of the Mountain, wasn't it, um, in the jump season? And he's a jockey who's who's on the up road a bit for, for Alan King, hasn't he? And... Um, yeah, good, good for him. And it did make me laugh as well that Aidan Coleman sort of, I think he sent out a tweet that saying, you're not coming anywhere near brilliant. Paisley Park. <laughs> I thought that was, that was very, very good. Yeah, I, I just think that it could take the stable to the next level, couldn't it? If, it, if this really works, because he's a young rider. I think he's, what, 26? On the up, probably about to enter his prime, hungry. It's the right time to do it, isn't it? And, you know, Emma's got relationships with lots of different jockeys. Adam Wedge, for one, but he's attached to Evan Williams, so you, you can't have that consistency there. Um, but, yeah, Tom Bellamy, um, he's, been, he's been around for quite a mm. while now, although he's so young, so he's clearly adept at, you know, being used to that big occasion. Um, and, yeah, fantastic move. We'll uh, watch to see how it goes. And I'm guessing he'll still ride a bit for, for Alan King, who he's been riding for. I'm quite surprised Alan didn't didn't sort of nail him down a bit harder. Mm, I was having this conversation with um, someone else as well, but, you know, Alan's got a lot of different jockeys, Tom, Tom Cannon, Cannon as well, as well hasn't he? Um, who's taken that role 
quite quite well. So um, it's an interesting time for jockeys in the jumps game, isn't it? Especially with uh, we saw Sam Twist and Davis riding Clanders Oboe with uh, Harry Cobden out, mm. um, and even Harry Skelton's been riding for Paul Nichols a lot more these days. So you always have to be flexible in this game. Well, Bryony Frost is absolutely flying, isn't she? She is now, yeah. Top and of the it, Jockeys' Championship, I mean, in this very early stage. It's fantastic to see, um, and a surprise to absolutely nobody. Um, that win aboard Frodon was just a fantastic way to end the season. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty confident with a clear run she'd get to 100 winners this season. Um, exit strategy, we've talked about a little bit. What would you like to hear from racing's leaders over the next week or so? I'd just like there to be a bit more of a clear plan. I was talking over with a few people yesterday. I mean, what is actually going to happen? We're not sure. Um, and it, it does seem quite confusing at this stage that there hasn't been a proper blueprint outlined. Um, but equally, as I said, you sort of have to recognise that, that race courses are going to be trying to, to do their best because this is, you know, their livelihoods. And, you know, it's a very, very important thing to get people back on race courses. But as you say, there's not really been a real solid plan and um, it would be good to just have a bit more confidence in what we're going to see looking forward. My sources have been telling me that, that there are people within the Department of Culture, Media and Sport who are equally frustrated that they're seeing open spaces not being not being utilised and, and business not being done where business can be done. Yet, as you were saying, every theme park is open to families mm. and there's not much social distancing. And in theory, racing's in a great position, isn't it? Exactly. But I, I think it's it's the, the DCMS have to convince the Cabinet Office, so Michael Gove's department, that that there needs to be some sort of top-down release of restrictions on on elite sport mm. in order for in order for us to be able to open up. That's the thing, you know. People are going to get frustrated with race courses, but ultimately, it's a thing that probably lies with the government and the decisions coming down to them. So. You know, we'll see what happens. It'd be great to see some more pilots. We mentioned earlier the Crucible. They had mm. so many people in, and it does seem ludicrous that we can't yeah. get people on race courses. We, we opted, horse racing opted not to have pilots in the period up to May the 17th, but you can hardly blame them after what happened last no. year with the, all the money being spent and the pilots being pulled at the last minute. I believe there's a plan for a couple of sort of interim pilots to get more than 4,000 between May the 17th and June the 21st, which would, of course, could include Royal Ascot. Yeah, and that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, but I think racing has to tread carefully, as we've seen its relationship with, with the outside and with compared to other sports after what happened at Cheltenham and the, the sort of image that portrays us in. Um, it's no wonder that, that we've got to be a little bit careful. True. But I think we need to get. We on do the, need to act. Yeah, we <laughs> yes. do need to act. We do need a plan. We need a plan, and we need a, a clear plan. And that plan, it, I think, needs to be communicated to to the the fans now and uh, and to the stakeholders as well. Uh, a couple of gambles landed this week in in Ireland. I've not really been across these, Maddie, but there was a huge one yesterday. Wasn't a horse. Two yesterday, yeah. one trained by Sam Curling. Yeah, Sam Curling, call me Freddie. Forty to one into eleven to four. Rachel Blackmore was the rider. Um, last minute jockey switcheroo, wasn't it? Yeah, due to COVID um, forms <laughs> or something not being filled out correctly. But yeah. if you have a look at this finish, it didn't look likely the horse in the middle there for a long way. So if you were on, um, you know, Rachel Blackmore's superb, isn't she? And then a Richard Beavis horse at Warwick later on in the evening also, I think, was 100 to 1 into 13 to 2. So pretty substantial gambles there. This is Richard Beavis's horse. Now, who was this? I can't remember the name of the horse on the top of my head. Danny Lodari, I'm yeah, being told. Yeah, that's the one. Um, only with a lowly rating, um, but hadn't shown much recent form. But as I say, in from 100s 
um, that's fairly substantial, even into to 13 to 2. So we just d- dust off this, this, this topic again, because it does get... <laughs> Good thing, bad thing, like it, hate it, don't mind. I hate being on the fence, as you know, but I am sort of on the fence. In this case, you know, those two gambles, there's nothing to suggest that they were linked. Mm. Um, So they were independent. And, you know, you look at Call Me Freddy, he had, although it's a long time ago, got good form. I think at Carlisle, he finished second, so that's okay. I think it depends, doesn't it? It depends on the, the, the circumstances around the gamble. But in this case... You know, it's clear they probably thought, right, busy afternoon of racing, evening of racing, everyone's going to be keeping their eyes on the big meetings, as is often the case. Let's use the opportunity to um, to get a good gamble. Sam Curling insistent that he didn't know where it came from, but we always hear that one, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much money it takes to move a horse. But that's the thing. With these from... sort of races, it probably doesn't take as much as others. 100 to 1 to whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it would be interesting to find out, but well done to all involved and uh, fabulous ride from, from both jockeys. Rachel probably needed to be a slightly bit stronger than uh, the other horse. Yes, it's a little more animated on uh, Call Me Freddy. That was at Cork yesterday, and Danino Derry was at Warwick, if you want to go back and look at those. Right, saliva testing. We've still got three of these to go. <laughs> yes, um, fantastic. I think it was underway at some of the all-weather tracks last week. <laughs> Obviously, it means that they can ramp up um, the testing a lot more. It's much more affordable and, crucially, um, instant, almost instant results. So this is a great move forward that it's been implemented so quickly. Um, and as um, we heard John talk about earlier, mm. cocaine, big problem in racing, dangerous. And also, it's not just about... You know, I've I've spoken um, to people myself about, you know, whether bands are correct or whatever. And and it's more than this initial testing as well, though. It's an issue that I think needs to be treated um, with more rehab, with talking, etc. Um, because it is a cultural and societal thing. It's not just in racing, although it is clear that we have a particular problem with it. And this will hopefully be a step forward um, to making the PJA's life a lot easier. Yeah, the PJA have pushed for it, the BHA are getting on with it, and I, I would imagine that the incidence of cocaine positives, if it goes up a little to begin with, will start falling pretty sharply because they're just going to know that they can't get away with it. Yeah, exactly, and in comparison to the likes of, you know, hair testing, urine testing, as I say, this is a lot easier for them to implement. Um, so that's really crucial because I know that some of the other strategies are a lot more expensive and take a lot more time and resources. So this is a really, really positive step forward. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, Hayley Turner's contribution to the debate on ITV this week when she was asked about this and she said, well, it's a lot easier than peeing in a cup, isn't it? <laughs> so well, I, suppose it's one way, I suppose it's one way of looking at it. There's no point mincing your words, is <laughs> no, there? <laughs> there is no point mincing your words. I think everyone agrees that uh, this is a step forward. And you're not going anywhere because we've still got two of these left. We have, and you can tell me more about this one then. The, the okay, whip we t- turn the tables then, and I'll, 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 I'll talk to you about it. So what is it, first off? Okay, so this is a collection of uh, 15 people who have been brought together from across the industry to um, advise on the formation of a policy for the use of the whip, which may come in sometime hence. Um, So, yeah, I am on this group, uh, and there are representatives not only of uh, the media, but more importantly, there are two jockeys on the group, uh, PJ McDonald and Tom Scudamore. Uh, John Gosden is one of the trainers on the group. There are people from studs, bloodstock agents, um, vets, MPs of both party, of both major parties, um, lords, commons, clerks of the course, um, 
people, representatives from racecourses right across the industry. And the idea is that views are exchanged and listened to respectfully, and I think that's the key, yeah. to try and understand how those within the sport and those outside the sport um, view the use of the whip, uh, their ethical positions on it, and how that might feed into to policy moving forward as a recommendation that was in the uh, in in the the wider recommendation as part of the sports welfare piece at the beginning of uh, the beginning of last year. And what can you see happening as a result of this group then? Because as you say, it's great to have these different people, um, an environment where they can all share, because often we know in racing it's like a game mm. of tug of war. Mm. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think the there line? are two questions, aren't there? Do the, do the rules need restructuring? And if they do need restructuring, how is that going to be manifest? Um, a, a lot of people will say, is this a, an inevitable step to removal of the whip? That's not the way I, as a, as a member of this, of this body, look at it. I look at it as an opportunity to understand more about other people's views first mm. and then to decide what my own position is and to feed that into the wider, to the and wider it's, group. It's a word that people love using, don't they? But it's getting racing on the front foot now. Um, and, you know, having these conversations, I think, is really important and can only be a positive thing. Um, so look forward to hearing more about that. Now, uh, one thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. One thing is, what is the one thing? The one thing is whatever you think it should be. Um, so on social media this, this getting very cryptic. Week, yeah. I know. Um, I asked what people in racing from a, a broad range of views, much like in the steering group, actually, what one thing they would change about racing or what they would do to racing if they could. And got an incredible response. Um, so thank you to everyone who interacted with that. But unsurprisingly, the main thing to come out of this was the fixtures and cutting the amount of fixtures and in turn with that prize money. Um, now, I don't know about you, but that didn't surprise me much at all, especially the environment that we're in at the moment, especially yesterday, given nine meetings there were, um, as opposed to today's offering. Um, and also some really interesting ideas thrown about as well. This is why I love doing things like this. I think it was Ross Burden who said, why not set up training centres at racecourses um, and have horse boxes rented out to young prescriptions prospective trainers who wouldn't necessarily have the backing um, financially yeah, I, of others. I am Fabulous so, idea. so behind that idea. I think that needs to be given another another go. I mean, I know we've had a go at, at Wolverhampton and Lingfield in the past, and I know Lambourne, they had a go at it at the Jockey Club a few years ago. I'd love to see them give it another go. What you do you think the obstacles to that could be? Because I'm not familiar with that. Maybe they just didn't have enough take-up at the time, but I think it's definitely worth exploring again in slightly different financial times and where the prize money's poor and whatnot. I'm interested in... in the overwhelming majority of responses, though, which was fewer fixtures. Yeah, um, and it's easy to see why, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a very bloated programme these days. I'm an advocacy of sort of, as Kevin Blake put it, ripping up the programme book and, and starting again with a lot of these things. Um, you know, smaller fields we saw, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, um, was it a red car where there was something like six runners in two really valuable handicaps? Now, whether that be down to the track and the facilities they have, watering, etc., um, it was really sad to see the sort of limit of horses um, there. So something's just clearly not working and we need to get to the bottom of that. Well, we've definitely um, reached saturation point, haven't we? That's, that yeah. is clear from the last three or four weeks. Yeah, exactly. So... What can we do? Fingers crossed it, it's something that will change in the future because there's a massive appetite for it, as that um, tweet sort of shows. And sometimes it's the simplest question that can yield the most 
informative answer, which I think you found there. Yeah, it was um, very, very interesting to hear from a lot of different people on that as well. As I say, it wasn't just one specific group who were in favour of that. It seemed across the board. OK, those were this week's talking points, all of them.